As we come to, I'm sure you're quite conscious if you walk down Orchard Road, end of the year is here. Or the beginning, depending on which angle you're looking at. But whatever the case may be, as you tear the calendar, 2023 is almost up. I don't know what's your feeling about this year. I don't need to ask. I hope I can guess right. But it's not easy for we in Singapore with all the talk about growth, development, planning and all that. The world is our oyster, so to speak. To really to begin to even appreciate a little bit, a fraction of the challenges which are going around the world. I need not elaborate. But so I don't know as you have the time or make the time to go down Orchard Road, what would your feeling be? So it's a not easy task for me today to bring the word. Um, so I was drawn to this the passage where the gospel where a pastor just read for us, which I think is not high on the hit list, <laughs> top 10 record, so to speak. Because many, rightly or wrongly, have already given a label to Thomas, the doubting Thomas. So once you have a label, you name it, you think you have, you have your answer. And so you don't need to think further because it's a doubting thing. Look, we believe and all that. But I would like to just to encourage you to just pause and take time, especially for our confirmation candidates this morning. Because the Gospel of John, I don't know how many of you have really noted or appreciated. John is probably, probably he's not probably, he, he is the last witness of the early disciples. So it's not just any other book. And he wrote with a perspective, which I think if we don't take that into account, we will skim over it and we even misunderstand him. And he was reading, writing after the destruction of the second temple. You know, with the destruction of the temple, the impact, existential impact on the people of God who was looking forward and now he's built a greater uh, temple. Sorry to say, Singaporeans, if the three towers of Marina Bay census got bombed one day, what do you feel? And those who are PRC people, if the Great Wall, the, 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 the Tiananmen Square, where they shouted, rise up Chinese, is pulled down, what would you feel? We live in very challenging times, way beyond our understanding. How many of us have been through the war? It's just book knowledge to us, right? I've not been, but I can feel because I was quite near to it. So John's Gospel being the last of the first group of disciples, first witnesses, choose to write it and he has no choice. He has to write it. 
So to set things right or stabilize the sheep, if you like to put it, because things are wavering already. Are you not wavering? Are you sure, so sure with all that your experience of Christianity and all that will see you through? God bless us. But let's listen to what John has to say. Coming from that perspective, knows, I always call him a man with no second chance because after him, no more faith gospel. So we, I'm sure you and I, especially those of us who are come of age, so to speak, uh, more than the pioneer generation, I think some are beyond that, you will understand the last words of the departing man or the last man is most valuable. So, and the Gospel of John ends in a very peculiar way. For one of the better words, I call a double ending. An ending without ending. Because as Pastor has just read to us chapter 20 and verse 30 there, it almost like give a summary now Jesus did many other signs which are not written so that uh, these are written so that you may believe and know that. That's a perfect ending, right? But then you have chapter 21. Has it ever occurred to you? Why? So that's why I say for one or better description, a double ending, which might not be an ending because you have a perfect ending, you don't need to go on, right? Now this is where I think we Christians today have to come to this point. Yes, we celebrate the first coming of the Lord. Very soon, Christmas, we are always talking, celebrate His coming again. But between then and His coming again, we don't know how long. <laughs> where He will put you and where He will put me. So the ending of John might be the more appropriate for us to have not just one ending, but double ending. Now, we have no time to go into the, the final ending of Peter. That's, I'll, I'll leave it to Joel uh, to preach on Peter next other time. <laughs> so I want to do, try to do my best on Thomas, the first so-called ending, right? I think if you read verse 30, 31, it's almost a complete ending. But why did John record for us or for the people of his time to face the future where Christ is no more has gone, the first discipleship, disciples have gone, he's the only remaining witness. So we can see how precious that is. I hope we'll take him uh, in, that, in that light. And the ending of that, uh, first ending, chapter 20, he chose to write in this way in verse 24, it says, rather, if I could go to verse 26 there, eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Thomas was with them, and although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. So it's common sense, plain sense, right? This was the second coming of Christ, second appearance, because the first one was on verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were closed, and, but Jesus came and stood among them. So in verse 29, eight days later, 
because it has to be on the day of the resurrection or it's rising again. So it's not just any day. Eight days later, Jesus came again. So it really hit me. It was only John who recorded this. And I think it is significant the way that Jesus, you know, after his resurrection, he doesn't just simply appear here and there. It's all with a very, very specific purpose. Audience. Not necessarily a big crowd. But in this place, in this instance of John chapter 20, initially, first day of the week, he appeared to the disciples. It was very clear we know that Thomas was not there. So if you do your, uh, your arithmetic, Judas was no more there, right? So we say maybe there was 10. Uh, we don't, uh, maybe there are others, but 10 of the early disciples were there. Judas was no more, and Thomas was not present. But no big deal. But the point, it seems, at verse 26, uh, 24 and 26 there, eight days later, I thought that was so touching. Eight days later, Jesus, after his resurrection, his appearance was, doesn't come by easily. Not on your call, you know. And he appeared again after eight days. But if we read the text properly, obviously, the other disciples were there, but it was more personal, directed to Thomas. And I think this is a great comfort, but also a great challenge. Sometimes, if your parents don't wait at the door, wait for you to come back, you feel happier, right? Or your grandparents sitting at the table there quietly until you settle down and say, so and so, come here. <laughs> so why is the second appearance and especially more specifically to Thomas. And I hope that we can take this account in this coming to be very busy week at year end, in the, all the hustle bustle of life, that whether this, you take this into account. Now, as been so in my mind, why did Jesus appear the second time? And more personally, I wouldn't say he singled out in the negative sense, but seems that he was more personal for Thomas, because on the first appearance in the, the first of the uh, in verse twenty nine on the first day of the week, the doors were closed. I'm sure Jesus being observant there, and only ten, eleven person that should be there. It's not difficult to see who is not there, right? Of course, he will say, but the. The challenge, the thing is that he didn't even ask, where were, where's this other guy? Is he doing nothing outside? Buying, you know, take away or something like that? Now, that's very personal, but I thought that there is something there. John, at the, on the, as he come to the end of this gospel, choose to record this. Jesus must have noticed Someone was not there, not 11. The departure of Thomas is already painful enough, right? Already painful enough. 
Now, this Thomas. So I just want to spend a bit more time. I hope you don't mind yeah, if we can spend time because it's not just what point one, two, three, four. It's to enter into the mind of heart of John as he recall and he recount for our purpose as well. So eight days later, before that, there was a conversation in verses 24 to 25. It says, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, you know, calling the twelve is very painful because one has already clearly departed. So don't get used to just twelve to twelve. You understand, one has gone. And Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. So the, the other disciples, presumably after this, they saw the risen Christ, they must be fired up, right? Of course they were fired up. They say, we have seen the Lord. But then Thomas, is he being extremely rude? And he retorted to them, say, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. What is Thomas driving at? I think it can be both sides. One is these disciples, this ten, so to speak, say, we have seen the Lord and told him. Isn't that good enough? We say, in court you must have at least two witnesses or three witnesses, right? You've got ten. And then Thomas doesn't seem to be moved. So it's not a matter of numbers. But Thomas... Unless he's an extremely extreme fellow, if not, we have to ask, is there some reason? And I want you to ponder. Because when Jesus first came the first time, on the first day of the week, it says the doors, verse 19, the doors were locked. Why was it locked? It seems to give the answer where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Then Jesus came. Fear. Now, how, whatever you talk, take a locking, you can lock yourselves into your heart, into your mind, into your emotions and everything. They were locking for fear. And then when Jesus met them and faced, he said, Peace be with you, which he repeated again. And then when the disciples saw, were glad when they saw Jesus, and Jesus said, Peace be with you. The Father sent me, so send I you, and breathe on them, receive the Holy Spirit. With a tremendous responsibility, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you forgive the, uh, if you withhold forgiveness. Now that is a tremendous vocation and responsibility, not, not power and privilege having the life and death of people on what you say, what you, how you say it. Now, do you want that response, the privilege? Do we think we can carry that privilege? So the point is that when they saw Jesus and they were glad, is that all? Is that the most important response? We, we can, Christians can be carried away. Because we know Jesus and others don't. So they were glad. But then, when Jesus came again, and when they told Thomas about this, 
Then you ask, what was Thomas doing? Where was he when they were first in the room? Have it ever occurred to you? You see, gallivanting or just walking around, you know, marking time, enjoying himself with the sight. If together with ten, they are there, locking the door is because of fear, what more only one? You know, some cities in the world, you cannot walk outside at, in the evening, right? You look forward, you look behind. So many countries are training people for martial art or, or, or taekwondo and all that to protect themselves. Why? But Thomas was not there. Could it be that what they say, Thomas heard, he understood, but it did not really move him at heart? One possibility, if I may suggest, is that because the credibility of this group maybe is at question then. So it doesn't mean you say it, you know. It's the credibility. We are talking so much about trust, right? Forward Singapore, the new social compact. It's not what program you put in, whether there's trust between up and down, between each other. Now, this is the key issue that we're going to face moving forward. So if we take that Thomas was not carried away because and what was Thomas doing outside? It cannot be for fun, right? I'm sure you will agree. Is he breaking ranks? Now we have no clear answer. John leave it to us. That space to really do meditation and imagination. But chapter 20, setting the context of this, is a very, very telling one. You know, in verse 1 to 10, when he, Jesus, on the first day of the week, again, you see the, the, the marker of the day of the week is so important. Mary Magdalene came to, the, came to the tomb, and we know that. And then two of the disciples, Simon and John, heard, came back and shared with them. They raised to the tomb, right? Of course, the younger one ran faster. And so John, when he came, when they were running together, and he was the one was outran, he went in, verse 8, he says, he stooped in to look, and he saw, but he did not go in. Out of deference and out of respect, wait for the elder to come. So don't rush ahead, because you are faster. So Peter came, and verse 6 there, he says, After Peter came following him, he went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, the face cloth, which has been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by himself. That was Peter's. He saw. He saw all these things. It doesn't move him at all. At least it was not recorded. So don't just label Thomas. Even Peter, which is one of the inner circle, right? He saw all these things, the clothes were folded, the face cloth and all that. He just recorded, he saw. In contrast to that silent disciple, the disciple who has always been quiet, who said only one thing in the whole gospel, John. 
And verse 8, it says, Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. So there is some sort of very subtle but significant difference between Peter, who also saw the same thing. He was given the chance to go in to see first. Now, if you know this, this guy who say, now we have seen Jesus rise, would you be carried by him? You know what I mean? It's not easy, right? I think Thomas was out, if I may suggest. In the context, it was really the Lady Mary Magdalene. In verses 11 to 19, that's why it's recorded there so significantly. It gives a long discourse, a narrative about Jesus' conversation with Mary, who has no reason to believe on the confidence. And then at Jesus call her because she was weeping and waiting, calling, and she said, and Mary turned. Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have yet not yet ascended to the Father to go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending. And verse 8, it says, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Now, we have no time, but I hope you can go back and look at the parallel passages in Gospel of Mark, uh, Matthew, Luke, Mark and Luke. The disciples just took this as women's idle tales. You know, gossiping. It's normal, right? It still happened today. So, it, but I think out of this, when he, Mary came and told them, I've seen the Lord, the next was that on that evening of the day, the doors were locked for fear. So we can see it doesn't tally, right? I think... I would like to suggest that Thomas probably was affected by this. And he was out trying to look what he probably didn't know. That's why he was absent. I don't think at that time, if the ten are in fear, no reason he's not fearful, right? So he went out to look. So I'd like to suggest to you, first of all, as we come to the end of the year, almost the end of the story this year, if we still have 2024. God in His mercy, we hope things won't get worse, what's happening around the world. It will spill over. You, you, you don't, don't, don't think that it won't come because we are, you know. But Jesus came late days, eight days later, and same, it was, the door was locked again, after all the, uh, what, all the, what Jesus said to the first group of disciples, peace with you, Holy Spirit be with you, and you, you go as I send. They should be outside from that time onwards, right? But they were not. So please don't take, to be critical. If you and I were there, maybe we also be the same. So you need time to digest, because resurrection is not a common thing, like when you wake up and sleep. It's something never really happened before. So you might be able to intellectually get all the right words and all the white doctrines, but to internalize the what really is resurrection on the first Sunday, first day of the week, never before. If you say you know, understand everything, God bless you. But if you say no, I think your our honesty, God will honor you. 
but you must move on, not remain there. So after that, when Jesus appeared again, because Thomas said that, and Jesus again, he says, peace be unto you. In verse 27, he especially called out to Thomas. Since you have asked that, you have questioned that, if you have, your condition is that, put your fingers and hands by my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I don't think we should over, over-interpret this disbelief because under that circumstance, who, who are we that can say we can be better than Thomas? Right? You might have the right intellectual belief, but for that fact of that rising again and its impact on your life, your values, your system, oh, it takes a lifetime or sometimes more than one lifetime. And so, do not disbelieve, but believe. I would think, is Jesus rebuking Thomas? I would say yes and no, or no and yes. Because if you take only this passage about Thomas, then you maybe say it's a very uh, stark remark on him. But I think to be fair to Thomas, and I think that's what John wants us to see, you must see him in his whole progression, or not. You cannot just pick on this point. I think that there's a, some sort of special feeling out of the rest, the 11, that Jesus specially speaks to Thomas. And I trust will be to you and to us personally. Because we all have not arrived. We probably need to be taken where we are. Not to compare. Don't feel pressurized. God knows each every individual where we are and what we really are. It's not what we say, what we sing, what we, you know. But at the quiet of the nights, your heart is open before the Lord. I think Jesus has a special touch for Thomas. While not, not agreeing with what he, all his belief. You know, it can be both ends, right? To affirm that you are not quite right, but yet at the same time, taking him on from where he is to move on. Now that's the beauty of on that last day, on the day when Jesus appeared again. And so Jesus said, do not disbelieve, but believe. Now that probably broke the camelback of Thomas. He doesn't need big arguments or theological debate or experiences. Just say believe. And the outcome of this is the, one of the greatest confession in the scriptures and our doc, our Christian doctrine in verse 28. Thomas then answered him, My Lord, my God. Peter didn't have any special response, right? When he went to the tomb. And you look at the other gospels when the lady Mary came and told them, they thought this is all old, old woman gossiping. So just don't be too harsh on Thomas because then we will lose the benefit of, say, Thomas was specially, you know, Jesus has a special place for him. So that's Thomas. And so after making that confession, it's not just Lord. Lord is a common thing. You know, master, you know, slave and the master is all Lord. But to bring the two things together, Lord and God, God is also Lord. 
It integrates. And I pray this is what Jesus wants. And it came out of the mouth of Thomas, bringing two things together. In life, there are many things who will have lordship over us. God, my Lord, and my God. So we cannot, when John ends his gospel, so to speak, the first ending, cannot be a better confession. My Lord, he doesn't need long words. Just that confession. And because of this, it caused Jesus to go on to say in verse 19, Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Again, is it a reveal? I think it's both end. You know, sometimes when the parents teaching the children, that younger generation, it sounds like a rebuke, but because there's love behind, right? They want, thing, want them to grow, to mature, but it has to be this way. And when Jesus said that, Thomas caused Jesus to say one of those great sayings. We begin with the word, blessed. It's not Peter. Peter never caused Jesus to respond in that way. Or other disciples. Thomas, after saying all this, and Jesus asked, have you believed only because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, blessed is not used often. Look at Psalm 1. Blessed are those and the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's very rare. And for Thomas of his experience encounter, to bring this out in Jesus as the last statement of John, so to speak. What a tremendous thing he has done. Because from this time onwards, well, people will have to believe in Jesus by not seeing because he has risen. So it is the witnessing, the quality of the witnessing, not out of fear. Prepare to go out, as I like, I suggested Thomas. He was out there not just fooling around. And it was not because of Peter and John who came back to say what they have seen. It was Mary in the Magdalene, the lady who came and said, I've seen the Lord. Out of the ten, I think only Thomas was stirred by this. I want to see him for myself. So, brothers and sisters, I'd like to suggest to you as we end this year and you come to a new phase of your life. It's really sometimes from the to, to the end, then you look at the beginning, right? And this ending is so much food for thought. Don't try to jump the gun and say this and that, labor this and that. Let the how John narrate this part so precious to sink into our hearts and lives. Wanting to see Jesus, I don't think there's anything wrong in that, but it is something beyond the seeing. It's the seeing whether seeing you believe. And the belief brings to the point of confession, my Lord, my God. And out of this, Jesus said, you have said the right thing. And it is only with this confession that you and I have to make, continuously make, even though we might be Christian for a long time. How many of us in our lives, we might have able to confess that in our early days, 
But after we've been through life's challenges and ups and downs, we might still be, you know, enjoying the warm fellowship within closed door. But how many of us, not so much the courage, I don't think Thomas is a gung-ho fella, but the desire to seek, to know what the ladies have shared, was searching for that. And I hope this is what we are. Now, I just said to end up to give us some confidence about, not so much me, about Thomas. As I said, don't take this Thomas episode just in itself, out of context. And this is where I think it's so touching that John chose to record this in the narrative. To cut a long story short, I hope I think, uh, I, I don't know, sorry, I'm not familiar with PPT, uh, but I've asked uh, that whether they can put up John chapter 11, right? John chapter 11, now, very quickly, that was in the Gospel of in, uh, John, where the first mention about Thomas. Now, to cut a long story short, I hope this will also cause you to go back to read your scriptures, John chapter 11 is a great chapter where the Lazarus was risen from the dead. But it's the part before to go or not to go. If to go, when? <laughs> right? right? In John chapter 11 verses 1 to 16, it's all that. Now, obviously he was asleep, but Jesus thought he was sleeping, so the others were a little bit confused. And so when they say they, that they, they should, Jesus, after two days, he says, I will go. We go there. And, uh, and then, you know, the verse 12 of chapter 11, and the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus was speaking, speaking about the death of Lazarus' death. But they thought that he meant that taking rest in sleep. And Jesus told them plainly, he is, he is not uh, uh, for your sake. I am glad that was not there so that you will believe. Let us go to him. Now before that, they were saying, oh, why don't why you go there? People are looking to kill you. But Jesus knows his timing. He's not rushed by you. We must not push our anxieties or we need to see vision onto God. He has his timing. And he takes his time, not delay. So when he finally said, at least in this episode, after Jesus said, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, let us go to them. It was only Thomas in verse 16, he says. So Thomas called the twin and said to his disciples, he's not a number one, right? He's not even number two. He was rallying the crowd, so to speak, say, let us also go that we might die with him. Okay, at that point of time, it's not a matter of right or wrong. That is maybe the level 101 of Thomas. So he sees this thing as a physical death. But the point is that he said, let us go. He didn't hold back. <laughs> you know, going prepared to die is not easy, right? But that's Thomas. At least that is his starting point. That I'm sure Jesus of all these people who were there, and discouraging him to go because people want to kill him and all that. But Thomas was thick-headed enough. That is beauty, right? To say, let us go and die. He didn't ask for any reward. 
Now, how do you look at this person with such quality, 101? I'm sure there are many educators, teachers here, right? When you look at some students in primary one, they say, oh my God. <laughs> right? But if you have to be with them for 12 years, they say, I, I better resign. <laughs> but as you see them grow, flower, beyond your expectation, one of the joy about teaching is to see someone move from here, A, point A to point B. Right? Even in church, in everywhere, parents. So we start somewhere, but don't over expect too high. Start from where you and I are. I don't mind being with Thomas. Then the next passage which talks about Thomas is getting one of those. Thomas has the privilege of causing Jesus to say those tremendous words. Not Peter, you know. Chapter 14, where Jesus, in after chapter 12, chapter 13, he knows his time is up. So now he focuses and just focuses his time on his disciples, John chapter 13 to 17. He's done enough teaching and uh, exhorting or challenging outsiders, but now he has to focus on his disciples because they have to walk the journey after Jesus' departure. They have to be well prepared. So if we are not well prepared, don't think, you know, I'm not talking about just prepare the skills, techniques. It's your inner life, your values. So, Jesus knew their hearts was troubled in chapter 14, verse 1. He said, believe in God, but also believe in me. So that's another challenge, right? And he says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it not was so, I have to be honest with you. I would have tell, told you that I, but I'll go to prepare a place for you. But more important, he says, if I go and prepare a, pre, prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And then they said, where are, you know, and, and, you, uh, and, and talking about, say, uh, and they say, they, you know, and Jesus Make it more challenging. You know where I am going. And it's only, again, only Thomas responded. Thomas responded to say, Lord, we do not know where you are going. Isn't that honesty? Don't try to be what you are not. We do not know you where you're going. How can we know the way? This is logical, right? He's very honest. And because of this, it caused Jesus to say that tremendous important word. And Jesus responded by not rebuking him, but saying what? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, to the Father, except through me. If known me, you would have known my Father also. And from, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. So, I just want to recap these two episode about Thomas, chapter 11 and 14. So he's moving from 101, if I would put it. And coming to chapter 14, obviously he's moved on a bit higher, right? Maybe 201? Or you want to give him 301? I don't know. Depending on how, how do you mark the grades of your students' essay. <laughs> but coming to the end, chapter 20, it's not 201, 301, 401. It's gone beyond the normal 
beyond the normal calculation. And it came about because of the deeper interaction, engagement, conversation between Jesus and Thomas and brought him to the point, my Lord, my God. I pray that our confirmation today, I don't know where you are, your life journey, but sooner or later, you must start from 101 and move on. Now come to the point where you can say that. Because after that, Jesus risen again. And we have to go up to witness because from that point onwards, people will not see. They will have to believe and then they see. And it depends on the quality of our witness, our life, right? And not always lock behind closed door or warm fellowship. But being going there. And Thomas, I like to suggest to you, is someone who's, who goes out to seek. And he took. Now, the one final point if you think, who is Thomas? I don't want to say promotion. Uh. Say, no, we look at the new, new state of cabinet, who, who is sitting next to who, <laughs> right or left. So you look finally at John chapter 20, the, the so called final ending, right? He talks about Peter. He said, I'm going fishing again, right? You look at the name list. You know, name listing is very important. Who sits where, right? Who is next after Peter? Who are the inner circles? If you look at chapter 21, the next name after Peter is Thomas. He's moved up the rank. Maybe he was so stunned. <laughs> I'm not in the inner circle, right? But you look at it, his name the second. Of course, naming list is very important. So may I just encourage all of us, as we come to the end of this unprecedented year, if you think you have all the answers, you have to you know, uh, face up to the, the situation. And I think all, Thomas is someone who is honest who starts, who speaks only where he is. But the Lord knows there's something inside this man, a, a, a nugget to be shaped, to be, you know, to become a diamond. And Thomas, gradually. So finally, you know where Thomas, we, do, we have no more record of him. But the tradition of the church is that he probably, more than St. Paul's, he crossed a further distance. He was called the Apostle of India. That's why you have now a Matoma church. Yeah, you know, cross ocean where no one crossed. Paul was just going to the Mediterranean, the, the, the civilized world, the Roman Empire, right? But he crossed there. Whether it's legend or not, but the, the church there in India fully believes that he is the disciple, Apostle of India. This is Thomas. I hope. At the end of the year, as we you know, wait for the second coming or return and all that, while waiting, we must be willing to be allowed the Lord to take us on. And we are prepared to move on. May the Lord bless all of you. Amen.